Hey, happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast. Can't tell you how glad we are to have you listening. Of all the podcasts that are out there in the world, you chose to click play on ours, and we want to give you some value. Thank you for being here. If you did not listen to part one last week with Josh Bryant, where we were talking about just real-world pressure situations, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that real fast. We're going to hop back in right smack dab in the middle of the interview. Remember, we had just kind of finished up talking about how Josh had started as an athlete and then moved on to being a coach and a teacher and talking about the importance of relationships as he moved into the business world and and starting his own company. And so that's where we're going to hop back in today. Let's get after it. Welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast, helping you overcome obstacles so you can reach and achieve more. Here are your hosts, Ben and Zeke. So, so let's kind of let's kind of shift gears, and I want to go back to that comment that you made about growing the family, because in my mind, you know, now as we shift into you as high school golf coach, that that's what you've really done as a head coach is grow the family. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna use myself as an example here. When when Carmen and I moved into your neighborhood and her brother was like, Hey, you know that coach I always talk about? He lives in your neighborhood. You should tell him to come over sometime. And we had you guys over for a cookout and it was so miserable hot and the mosquitoes yep. were so terrible that we were like, They're probably never gonna come over here again. But you know, make a long story short, we ended up, you know, the, the second time I think you came over to the house was for a Christmas party that we were having. And we were literally just standing down in the basement, just some guys talking about coaching Mm -hmm. and, and talking about, you know, what, what did we experience as an athlete? What do we believe in now? How do you build a successful program? How do you help athletes perform at their best? And, you know, I was, I was talking to you about the things that I was teaching the quarterbacks at the time. And you were talking to me about, you know, as a, as a new head coach, the vision that you had for the program. And at the end of it, you were kind of like, you need to come you need to come work with us. You need to come coach with us. And I was like, you, you don't want me to teach your kids how to golf. And, and I think you said something to the effect of, well, you don't have to teach them how to golf. They have their own swing instructors. I just, I'd need you to all this stuff that you're doing with the mental side of the game. Like we need this. And, you know, kind of, kind of, as you, as you look at growing the family, as you look at, you know, continuing to use relationships to, to build this program the right way into one of the, you know, one of the top programs in the entire state of Indiana, as far as boys and girls golf is concerned, what, what's that look like? How, you know, where, where do you start with that? And what lessons do you bring from all this life experience into really making this the, the best program possible? Yeah, that first party, those mosquitoes were, I think my kids were never going back to whoever that family was ever again. I was like, yeah, it was bad back there. We had this, uh, we had such a beautiful back patio that was brand new. All set up. Yeah. That just cooked the entire afternoon oh, and the sun man. and was too miserable to be on. The sound of hands slapping skin to try to get the mosquitoes <laughs> off. It was like, <laughs> but we digress. The good, the, uh, um, you know, so Bill Davis, who was the athletic director at Westfield when I got hired, he, uh, I remember one of the questions that he asked me about, you know, like the standard athletic director, head coach question. 
how do you, if you were hired, like, you know, how would you view the, um, you know, how would you envision the program? And I said, well, I said, Bill, I'm probably maybe the only um, person that will interview for this job that has a football coaching background, but I'm going to use this football coaching as an answer, um, Bill. And um, I said, you know, I, I would tell you that if I had it my way, we would look like a football coaching staff. And he was like, what do you mean? And I said, most of the time in really good football programs, they grow organically with really good people and those good people become position coaches. And it starts out something like the position coaches go, well, I'm the quarterbacks coach. You got the quarterbacks coach. You got maybe a running back, running backs coach and a line coach and a receiver coach, right? On offense. Right. And then as the program tends to grow, then you got a quarter, you've got an OC and a quarterbacks coach and a H back coach and, and a tight ends coach yeah, and, and an assistant, an assistant line, line coach. coach. Yeah. And you look around and you're like, well, how many dang coaches do you need? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but if you grow with the right guys, what tends to happen when you really look at it? And I'm going to tell you that, um, I watched this happen with Mo Moriarty and continued on is that when you have really good people in positions, you go, my goodness, the tight ends have, there's three of them and they got one coach and look at that bond they have. And then you go to a football game and you've got all these guys running through a wall for each other, for their coaches, but they're all, they all start in these, these really tight one-on-one relationship. Okay. So fast forward to that comment to Bill is that if you have the right people and you have the right goal and, and, and whatnot, I said, every one of these, it's impossible for one person, in my opinion, in a head coach role to physically connect with everybody you want. Because the second part of it was, I was like, Bill, I want to have the biggest program I can possibly have. Like, I don't want to like, you know, sure competitively could you just run with like 11 or 12 kids in golf? Absolutely. Right. You could, that wasn't like what we wanted to achieve. Like we wanted like golf to be something that the, 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 the program was big enough so that, um, so that kids would walk away and say, Hey, that was a really good experience. And Oh, by the way, I may not have ever played varsity golf, but man, I feel like I was part of a, I was part of a program. I was part of a team I experienced all those type of things, you know, I experienced all the things I wanted to do. I got to play the sport. I like, I'm, I, I had good people. You got to have a lot of people to do that. Um, and you know, I went the route of that. You don't like, you look at, you know, so it's like, you know, take Bill Belichick, for example. I mean, I mean, I don't know his playing career like many people, but I'm going to tell you that he wasn't necessarily probably, the best player right. in the history of whatever. And um, many of the best coaches that I initially would run across, they were really good at what they were coaching and they didn't play that, but they were a good coach. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I felt that way. I still feel that way about our golf program and will like you, you need a combination of both. Um, and I think that having different viewpoints and, also just the different experiences that we have, we're trying to touch everything. And, you know, I told you, I was like, I look at it as position coaches and there is a, 
there is a mental, um, a part of what you just, I mean, I think you have to have in all programs. I mean, I'm obviously a huge advocate of yours in the mental training plan, but I think that in golf specifically, it's one of the, you know, you spend more time in thought alone or yeah. walking yeah. or whatnot, but under real pressure where you're, where you're, where you're playing at the highest level. I mean, you know, those aren't these, most of the time aren't the walk in the park of the dual match that everybody thinks of as high school golf where I'm playing with my buddy and I talk to him the whole time. Right. It's very quiet. It's, um, uh, it, there's, it's pressure induced on every shot. Everything's magnified and you've got to learn to spend that time. I relate that to playing quarterback for the most part. I think that golfers are, there's a reason why that, that some of the best starting pitchers and some of the best quarterbacks are also great golfers. Mm -hmm. There's just, it's it. I mean, the skill sets go hand in hand. Um, it doesn't mean you're going to be a great quarterback or great pitcher if you're a great golfer, but, um, the skill set and in the ability to learn the game and handle the pressure and, and handle also the self-talk that you have to be able to have as a golfer. Um, it just becomes part of what we, what we do. Um, but it starts with none of those things matter if the kids don't think or don't feel that they're valued and that you care about them. Right. Um, and that's, you know, I think every year that's like, that's still the challenge is to continue to, um, you know, support them in this journey, this competitive journey. Um, many of them that have dreams and hopes of playing and knowing that you're going to, there's going to be players that aren't going to necessarily compete as much as they want or at all. Um, and, uh, meeting them, meeting them in the right spot so that they feel that they, um, you know, they've had every opportunity, um, you know, they're at least, at least having that conversation that here are the opportunities that you've had along the way, et cetera. Um, when kids feel that they're cared about those conversations become more, um, uh, meaningful than if they just feel like, you know what, like coach chose Ben to play because he likes Ben more than me, yeah. you know, type thing. When we, uh, Andy was really the first, Andy was the first quarterback that hadn't grown up in Westfield and hadn't sort of seen the shift from we won two games a year to, you know, now we're competing for state championships. He, he wasn't necessarily around for, you know, this kid goes and plays quarterback on scholarship. This kid goes and plays quarterback on scholarship and wins two national championships. This kid goes and plays baseball on scholarship, gets drafted. You know, now it's Andy. He didn't care about that. He didn't care about past success. He didn't care about, you know, he didn't care about any of the, the accolades. He wanted to know what was I going to do for him. And I had to prove myself, you know, as a, as a coach, as a quarterback coach, completely all over again and connect with him individually as you you know as you as we start to have more success as a program as the program gets bigger as more people want to be part of it but as you know there's still continuously people coming in you know whether that's freshmen coming in or whether that's people that are moving in how do you continue to connect um, and, and still make it a priority to to really build the foundation the right way continuously? That's a good question. I think that 
the connection part, you know, even begins now as we get into our, you know, sixth year, the connection part starts with even younger than ninth grade and, uh, beginning to, um, be a familiar face and, and start to hopefully instill a few of the expectations that may be there when you get to be in high school. From there, it is, and I think we're starting to finally see that as we've had some classes now that have been with us their entire career, is, um, you know, the some of the cultural things that you do are starting to be, pat, you know, what you hope is that the cultural things that you have start to get passed down. And so some of those cultural expectations of, of, of how we behave and the things that we do in the off-season – and I use that word loosely because we play a sport that, as you know, like the off season, like, right. you know, it, it's a little bit unique. Uh, I shouldn't say unique. It's different than um, other team high school sports because, you know, I'm very upfront with the kids. I know that some of your individual tournaments in the summer are just as big and just as important as what the high school tournaments are. And I want to help you and support you in those no different. And I want you to be ready to play in Lake Central in April when it's cold and windy and I, and you're wearing the shamrock uniform. Right. And, um, and so I, th- I feel that it's an advantage that we have a sport that has that kind of, you know, the, the events are just as important to them outside of school as they are. I mean, I think, you know, I've, I've heard some coaches see it differently. I think it's great because I think that it also, um, you know, it lets you talk about, you know, here's where you are right now. You know, we have a finite period of time together for the competitive season, but you know, we're not in this just for the competitive season, you know, like I'm in this so that, you know, like while we're talking right now, there's a text from a kid that graduated last year. Hey coach, I'm coming home from school. When are the workouts? I'm in it for those text messages. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. And that the particular player didn't, he didn't make the sectional roster. Like, so for me, the more that happens, the more I realize that we are achieving some of the goals that we achieve. Um, and Oh, by the way, you know, the ex, the cultural expectation of, of competition is that you got to do these things. These are the precursor. If you want to win championships, you know, at our level, and we played 251 competitive rounds in the summer and the fall. So if we can combine those two things, I think that we are going to compete at the level we want to compete with, with the player, with our competitive players. And we're going to achieve the team atmosphere that we're going to, that we are trying to do with all of our players. And it's in it, you know, I, I've always felt like it can be done and it doesn't have to be separated, but it takes work and people. So to grow the family, you have to like, in order to be a large family, you got to be able to, you've got to have, you got to have more leaders than just one in order to provide and shepherd and create that environment. If that's what your goals are. And it doesn't mean our goals are better than others. It's just, you know, that's what I, that's the kind of program I wanted to be a part of. And, um, you know, I had friends, that played football that didn't make the field. And yet, you know, walking the parade for the state championship runner up was one of the biggest, you know, satisfying things that they ever had. And they hardly ever played and they were a part of it. And, you know, it's just like, as you go through, like, you know, at the end of the day, 
we're all going to, you know, at some point just be talking about what we used to do. And, um, you know, and, and in the moment there's sometimes it, it hurts that you're, that you're not maybe seeing the field the way that you want to see the field, but, but the experiences along the way are what drives, you know, um, and, you know, you learn that from your coaches, uh, you learn that from, you know, like, you know, I always go back. The number one saying was always, and Coach Gilbreth, he uh, coached baseball and football where I was from. And he always said, you know, he always related to, you know what, guys, hey, like we just won 63 to nothing. And we're not as good as 63 to nothing over our next opponent. Like, or, hey, guys, like we just lost seven to three and we're not as bad on offense as a seven to three team. And he could use, I mean, see, and, and we all know you can utilize that statement and your highs, like no matter what is going on. And in the business world, you close a big deal and you get a big PO, like, you know, like that's not the end. Like you can't live up in that, up in that area. And same thing with, you know, if you lose a customer or, Hey, I didn't, I'm a senior and, you know, I didn't make the sectional team, meaning my career is over and that's a low point for some. Um, and it's how those conversations are handled. And, and, um, and over time you look back and go, that was just a little tiny finite part of an overall experience that I had with golf. And it's more than just me with my coaches. It's me with my teammates. It's me with my parents going to tournaments in the car in the middle of the summer. And when you really look back, you go, it's just, it's just one day. And, you, and, and, you know, so that's kind of our hope as far as all those things put together though. So. So as you kind of, you know, look back over your career, where you, where you've come from and, you know, where you're at now, what's sort of a, a big takeaway, um, for, from all of this, you know, one, um, one thing that I would say that is vitally important in my opinion is, you know, learning the skill of empowering people and that, that is, empowering people means buy-in from a high school kid. It's buying into the program. You know what I mean? Buying in um, because they feel empowered that they have an opinion um, and, um, and that they matter and that they have ideas that need to be explored as employees. Um, empowering people is allowing them to do their job. And oftentimes as a business owner, especially small business owner, it can be very difficult to allow people to empower people to do their job because you got to let go of control. Cause for the most part, many small businesses start out because the person who started it, they were in control of everything and to create it and, yeah. and to let go. Um, and there's a, there's a word out there that like, you kind of have to like walk a fine line of whether you empower or you're a delegator. Some, many people they don't like just delegation because if you're a delegator, but then you kind of over still oversee what you delegated, then it's like, you're the worst of the worst. It's like, it's being a position coach and your, your, your coordinator has you put something in and then you do it. And then they come right back in and then they decide, you know, to put it in a different way. And you're like, well, why did we even, why did we spend right. this period Right. putting this in on, on cover two, when you could have just waited till your period and re you just retaught everybody what I tried to do. Right. Right. As an, as a 
as a position coach, there's that drives you crazy, right? right? If you're not going to yeah. let go, then at least don't waste yeah. my time. Right. And hey, and that's you okay. just do it. Right. Because, I mean, I think we've all been in that assistant coach role. I mean, all the way down to like, I mean, my first job at Carmel after being a, you know, volunteer middle school assistant, I mean, I was no, I mean, no one knew if I knew anything about football. I was the assistant to the, I was the assistant corner corners coach to the actual coach. There you go. Like, like I, we only had two players and I wasn't even good enough to have my own. Like, (laughs) and I remember, I'm just like, I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like these guys think like, of course they didn't know me. And I, so I'm showing up and I'm like, should I bring my like high school state championship rings? Like, what do I need to do? Like I'm, I'm coaching literally with like, I called him Bozo the clown and I was his assistant, but I decided I was like, I've got to earn my stripes, you know? And so, you know, these poor, these poor corners are like, you're getting yelled at every practice because they don't like Bozo coach Bozo is not doing a good job at first. (laughs) And, you know, but, um, but we've all, and so I try to remember, like, I mean, you know, it's like, it's nice. I think that we've all had positions that um, you can relate to so that when you have a, you know, like when then you're then giving, you know, those assignments to somebody um, and you got to know, like, and, and you know what, I had a meeting today at my office before I came here with an individual that I know there's some current strife with because either I'm not communicating clearly enough with them about what their expectation is. They have a history from maybe another boss that, um, that they had kind of the same situation that ultimately their former boss would take, you know, end up taking charge. And so they just kind of felt, and, and I'm not like that, you know, my questions are, wait a minute, like, why did this go wrong? Yeah. And well, you know, like, and, and so it just, you just have to, you know, you have to work through, but when you empower people and sometimes it takes longer than others, once they, you know, kind of find their, you know, you gotta, once they find, you know, their cruising speed, I call it like, and things are rolling very well. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's like, I mean, you've experienced it in coaching where you're kind of like, wow, I got paid to do this today. Like I didn't really, I didn't do anything, man. The offense just freaking ran really well. The team just won by 20 shots. Like, you know, and they always, Oh, golf coaches just drive the bus, you know, once in a great while, maybe we do just drive the bus, but it's through a lot of other things. And man, that day that you just drive the bus and didn't do anything right. else, boy, that's kind of a fun day. Cause yeah. those guys are just like, they don't need you. Right. You know, that's an awesome feeling, but, um, and same at the office. And so, yeah, that's, uh, but, you know, being able to empower, you know, um, and there's a lot of self-talk that goes on, I think as a coach and as a business owner about, um, how you do that and being patient, um, taking a deep breath when you, um, want to step in and, uh, you know, those type of things. And, and I'm not perfect at it by any means, by any means, but, uh, the, uh, you know, uh, taking a deep breath and clearing your mind, no different than if we were going to put together a pre-shot routine. It's, it's kind of like getting ready for, you know, I, I have a routine that I get ready for a meeting that I think might be a little, um, adversarial mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a pre-shot routine before a big golf tournament and, uh, close my door, 
You know, I take a couple breaths. I write down a couple of comments that I want to ensure positively that I want to ensure that I do, because if I don't do those things, then I'm not, I'm not in the right frame of mind to sit down and have a conversation that, that, that may, you know, that I've dreamed up as being adversarial because of some issue happening. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yep. Well, Josh, again, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to stop by today and chat with us. It is, it is always a pleasure to, to get to do that and greatly appreciate your time and your wisdom today. Ben, thank you so much for uh, having me on. And uh, I have been a loyal listener for the first uh, 80 podcast, and I, I'm looking forward to listening to the next 80. So good job. Keep up the good work. As always, if you have any questions or want to reach out to us, check out mentaltrainingplan.com. And until next time, make your plan and put it to work. 